Chapter Six of History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. Chapter Six. Billy the Kid and Gang Stand Off a Posse at the Chisholm Ranch. A Bloody Battle in Lincoln, which lasted three days. As time went on, Sheriff Pepin appointed new deputies on whom he could depend, among these being Marion Turner, of the firm of Turner and Jones, merchants at Roswell on the Pecos River. For several years, Turner had been employed by cattle king John Chisholm, and up to May 1878 had helped to fight his battles, but for some reason he had seceded and became Chisholm's bitter enemy. Marion Turner was put in charge of the sheriff's forces in the Pecos Valley, and soon had about forty daring young cowboys and cattlemen under his command. Roswell was their headquarters. Early in July, Billy the Kid and fourteen of his followers rode up to the Chisholm headquarters ranch, five miles from Roswell, to make that their rendezvous. Turner with his force tried to oust the kid and gang from their stronghold, but found it impossible, owing to the house being built like a fort to stand off Indians, but he kept out spies to catch the kid napping. One morning Turner received word that the kid and party had left for Fort Sumner on the upper Pecos River. The trail was followed about twenty miles up the river where it switched off towards Lincoln, a distance of about eighty or ninety miles. The trail was followed to Lincoln, where it was found that Billy the Kid and gang had taken possession of McSween's fine eleven-room residence, and were prepared to stand off an army. On arriving in Lincoln with his posse, Turner was joined by Sheriff Pepin and his deputies, and they made the big house as the Murphy Dolan store was called, their headquarters. For three days, shots were fired back and forth from the buildings, which were far apart. On the morning of July 19, 1878, Marion Turner concluded to take some of his men to the McSween residence and demand the surrender of the kid and his warriors. With Turner were his business partner, John A. Jones, and eight other fearless men. At that moment, the kid and party were in a rear room holding a consultation, otherwise some of the advancing party might have been killed. On reaching the thick adobe wall of the building, through which portholes had been cut, Turner and his men found protection against the wall between these openings. When the kid and party returned to the portholes, they were hailed by Turner, who demanded their surrender, as he had warrants for their arrest. The kid replied, We too hold warrants for you and your gang, which we will serve on you, hot from the muzzles of our guns. About this time, Lieutenant Colonel Dudley, of the Ninth Cavalry, arrived from Fort Stanton with a company of infantry and some artillery. Planting his cannons midway between the belligerent parties, Colonel Dudley proclaimed that he would turn his guns loose on the first of the two who fired over the heads of his command. 
Despite this warning, shots were fired back and forth, but no harm was done. Now Martin Chavez, who at this writing is a prosperous merchant in Santa Fe, rode up with thirty-five Mexicans, whom he had deputized to protect McSween and the kid's party. Colonel Dudley asked him under what authority he was acting. He replied that he held a certificate as deputy sheriff under Brady. Colonel Dudley told him that as Sheriff Brady was dead, and a new sheriff had been appointed, his commission was not in effect. Still, he proclaimed that he would protect the kid and McSween. Now Colonel Dudley ordered Chavez off the field of battle, or he would have his men fire on them. When the guns were pointed in their direction, the Chavez crowd retreated to the Ellis Hotel. Here he ordered his followers to fire on the soldiers if they opened up on the kid and party with their cannon. Toward night, the Turner men, who were up against the McSween residence, between the portholes, managed to set fire to the front door and windows. A strong wind carried the blaze to the woodwork of other rooms. Mrs. McSween and her three lady friends had left the building before the fight started. She had made one trip back to see her husband. The firing ceased while she was in the house. In the front parlor, Mrs. McSween had a fine piano. To prevent it from burning, the kid moved it from one room to another until it was finally in the kitchen. The crowd made merry around the piano, singing and pawing the ivory, as the kid expressed it to the writer a few months later. After dark, when the fiery flames began to lick their way into the kitchen, where the smoke-begrimed band were congregated, a question of surrender was discussed, but the kid put his veto on the move. He stood near the outer door of the kitchen with his rifle and swore he would kill the first man who cried surrender. He had planned to wait until the last minute, then all rush out of the door together and make a run for the Bonita River, a distance of about fifty yards. Finally, the heat became so great, the kitchen door was thrown open. At this moment, one Mexican became frightened and called out at the top of his voice not to shoot, that they would surrender. The kid struck the fellow over the head with his rifle and knocked him senseless. When the Mexican called out that they would surrender, Robert W. Beckwith, a cattleman of Seven Rivers, and John Jones stepped around the corner of the building in full view of the kitchen door. A shot was fired at Beckwith and wounded him on the hand. Then Beckwith opened fire and shot lawyer McSween, though this was not a death shot. Another shot from Beckwith's gun killed Vicente Romero. Now the kid planted a bullet in Beckwith's head, and he fell over dead. Leaping over Beckwith's body, the band made a run for the river. The kid was in the lead, yelling, "'Come on, boys!' Tom O'Falliard was in the rear. He made his escape amidst flying bullets without a scratch, although he had stopped to pick up his friend Harvey Morris. Finding him dead, he dropped the body. McSween fell dead in the back yard with nine bullets in his body, which was badly scorched by the fire before he left the building. 
It was 10 p.m. when the fight had ended. Seven men had been killed and many wounded. Only two of Turner's posse were killed, while the kid lost five, McSween, Morris, and three Mexicans. End of chapter 6 Recording by Roger Moline